Ron and Anian. Let's get on over and talk to Chris in Salina, Kansas. So we did uh, plugs and wires and valve cover gaskets on my van. And when we pulled the valve covers off, there was a ton of sludge underneath there. The car doctor. The ugly part of this job is dealing with the oil pump. Your elbow has to bend in four directions at once because you're kind of working. You know, it's it's ugly, dude. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, he. Here's Ronnie. Hey, start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. That number again, 855-560-9900. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. Plain and simple, if you're new, we thank you. If you've been tuning in for a long time, we thank you as well. But this radio show is just about fixing your car problem. It's an even exchange about ideas. It's let's go. Let's see what's going on under the hood. Can we talk about it and uh, solve it together? Because there's no uh, there's no ego. There's no preset agenda on this radio show we're just trying to help and help and be helped as uh, we all learn together about what's going on with cars going forward because they sure are getting complicated they're not your father's oldsmobile anymore by any stretch of the imagination let's kick the garage doors open right away let's uh let's go over and talk to bruce morgan hills california 05 chevy tahoe bruce welcome to the car doctor how can i help yeah hi ron yeah, greetings yes, and uh uh yeah i got a water leak in my uh Tahoe here. It's uh, uh, the rainy season just started, and um, uh, it's leaking into the cab area over by the uh, the passenger's feet. Okay. And I first saw this problem many, many years ago on my 1970 Dodge. But, uh, you know, back in those days, it was coming in through the vent. Right. You know, we had a vent door there thing. But... uh, Anyway, these days I don't know where to begin the checklist thing. Do you have a Do you have a sunroof in this car, Bruce? No, no, no sunroof. Really? Okay. No. Um. When no. When the water's coming in, do you you know did you did you peel the carpet back? Do you see? Um, oh. Uh, do you see any particular area? Is it more towards the front of the tow board oh. or towards the rear of the tow board? As far as where uh, it's coming from. It's uh, it's about where the passengers right foot would sit okay it's uh, it's it it looked like about a quarter cup of water yesterday after a pretty big little rain we had for a short period of time and uh i, I don't know I, I was i was thinking maybe it's that cowl vent maybe it's uh clogged with leaves or something Not sure it could be and you've got a you know at, at this point the first place to start would be going through and making sure any areas for water drain, body drains, anything like that are clear and that you can get flow out, you know, that, that if, if you took a hose and and, uh-huh. and and understand how to look for this water leak, too. Once you get to the point where all the body drains are clear, you know, look up around the fenders on the inside, make sure there's no leaves jammed in there causing anything to back up. Because at 12 years old, there might be a body seam where some, uh, you know, something is opened up, and if water backs up, it's going to tilt in. And you know, water has yeah. its own water has its own mind. It'll it'll go wherever it wants to go. 
but yeah. but once you do that, then we can have the conversation about to find this leak. You don't want to spray water directly at the area where you think the leak comes from. You want to spray the water. I always spray the water on the roof. Make it rain, huh. right? Make okay. it rain. Make okay. it make it natural yeah. effect. Because I, I've had cases where I spray water. Oh, I know it's leaking right from this spot. I'll spray water on that spot, Bruce, and it's bone dry. As soon as I move the water huh. six inches above so it can kind of waterfall down, you know, trinkle onto it, so yeah. to speak, right. it, it finds its path by natural flow and current, and all of a sudden the leak appears. So, you know, in, in, in looking for this leak, you know, that's how you want to start it. Maybe you want to, you know, you want to go up a little at a time. Maybe this is leaking in the A-pillar where the windshield sits. Maybe there's a problem with the sealer under the trim, or maybe there's a problem with rust. I don't know what the what the actual body condition looks like or what it may look like under the trim that uh-huh. you can't see it. But, you know, maybe you work your way up the A-pillar, and, and uh, you know, maybe there's a maybe there's a piece where the windshield seal sits that all of a sudden it's not okay. sealing like it should, and it's, it's finding its way in. And, you know, to that generates a question from me. Has the windshield ever been replaced? Yep, I, I knew you were going to ask that, Ron. Uh, yeah, it has been replaced. I think it was about five years ago. Okay. And, um, but, you know, we, we were in, we've been in a drought out here for quite a while. And last year we really, like, made up for seven years of drought in one season. So, um, but I don't remember it leaking like this last season right well don't get don't get hung up on that brother you know it's it's my dead dog that wasn't dead yesterday died today it it, it started now for some reason and when you when you find the leak you'll know why um the other question i've got is has anybody taken off the passenger side front door panel recently has anybody done any work in there no no okay you know because there's a water there's a water barrier seal there the plastic door panel, you know, there's a plastic seal underneath the door panel. And, you know, I've seen cases where if the if the drains in the door get clogged, it will fill up and let water trickle in. So it looks like it's coming from that footwell area, but it's it's coming from the bottom corner of the door and seeping in under the carpet and the sill. So take a close yeah. look at that, too. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, All right. It'd be coming from an unlikely place. Right. It's it's yeah. and it's coming from an unlikely place, all right. Yeah. Um, you know, other than that, there's not much else there. I would make sure that the AC drains, the evaporator drain isn't plugged, and you know, just just to settle the argument, so that if we know the case gets any kind of water in it, it will drain out. And as long as it does that, I can eliminate that off the list. Uh-huh. But. You just got to go through the process. You've you've got to you know try okay. and narrow it down and get some direction. Huh? Hey, do you, Ron, do you know if there's a drain under the car somewhere for the cowl vent? Do you know where that would drain out of? Um, there's got to be a drain in the corners. There's got to be a drain on each side. All right, for when huh. the when the cowl itself gets filled with water. Yes, exactly where I don't know, but there has to be something there. Hmm. Otherwise, it would just yeah. fill because the base of your windshield has an open cowl. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's 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 got to go somewhere, brother. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so it's like I said, you've got to go through it one step at a time, and you're going to find something really innocuous, really, you know, you're going to go, huh? We had a we had a Chevy Cruze about oh, three four weeks ago with a water leak in the trunk, and we went round and round, and you know there was leaves packed in there, and we cleaned out the leaves, 
and the right side tail light was leaking, and you, you know you could see water on the inside oh. of the tail light. We took the tail light housing out and saw where it was. You know, gee, is that gasket sitting right against the deck lid of the trunk or the back area of the trunk? Resealed that. That didn't fix it. Huh. Make sure the water was running off the trunk. Okay, it was. Closed the trunk. Did the spray up on the roof, and then worked our way down and up in all different ways, trying to make it. Didn't see it. Finally, opened the trunk mm. one more time, looking around. And if you look really careful with a really bright flashlight where they overlaid the quarter panel and the trunk lid bracket, um, it's hard to explain, trunk lid drip rail, actually, all right? There was a a piece of uh, seam sealer, you know, when they seam sealed Uh it at the factory. Yeah. There there was, and when I tell you it was a hairline crack, it was a hairline crack, man. It was unbelievable. And we, you know, seam sealed it and done, yeah. fixed. Done. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, let me ask you this. Does this car have any roof rack on it or any anything up top? Uh, you know, I got a, uh, a ham radio antenna, just one on there, and it is a, a three-quarter inch hole on the top. Okay. And uh, But it's all sealed pretty well. There's an O-ring in there, and I don't know of any problems. And in La Doria, it's, it's right above the dome light, and that's all dry. As far yeah, I would think I would think you'd see but, you uh, know, water stains in the headliner or something if it was, yeah. if it, if it was from there. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, so. Looks good. Yeah. No, I agree. Okay. Well, I agree. All right. Hey, that thanks gives... for the idea. Uh, the flashlight's a good idea, and the, just the running water, I'll try it out, and I'll look for that cowl drain there. Right. I mean, if, if, if you've got access to it and you really get stumped, if you can find a repair shop that's got a smoke machine, you know, sometimes you fill the cabin with smoke and just watch and wait and see where the yeah. smoke comes out. It's a, oh, little, yeah. it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a lot of smoke huh. to fill a cabin like that, but... Um, you know, there, huh. there, are, there are ways to do it. You can try that as well. Yeah, so. that's another good idea. So. Okay. All right, sir. Hey, thanks, Ron. You're welcome, Bruce. And uh, thanks to all of our veterans out there, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. God bless our, yeah. God bless our veterans. Yeah. So yeah. We, we wouldn't be here okay. without them. Absolutely, brother. So, all right, you take good care, Bruce, and uh, thanks for tuning in and being part of the Car Doctor family. 855-560-9900. Ron Annie and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. You know, you just don't find music on iTunes. We found Ron and Anian right there, and he's right here. Back to Ron. Here I am, Ron and Anian, the car doctor, 855-560-9900. And uh, let's go over and talk to David in Brooklyn, New York, 94 Buick Regal. David, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? David? David? David, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, David, you're on. What's going on, kiddo? Yeah, what happened here? I got a 1994 Buick Regal. Okay. Uh, 3.8. And you know the heating system, when it, when it takes long to hot to give heat. Okay. And when it gives heat, when I put the blower on, it, it just shut off. It just start going cold, cold, and colder. Okay. The and blower, but the fan blower works okay, correctly. You have you have all the speeds. Yes. Okay. So so the engine comes up to temperature. It takes a long time to come up to temperature? Long, long time. All right. Now, are you basing that on how long it takes to get heat, or are you watching a gauge on the dashboard? No, I'm basing it according to the heat I get in the car. No heat in the car. It comes okay. very low. Cold okay. heat. All right. Cold so, and hot. So let's, let's forget about the heater for a minute. Let's just talk about the engine. How do you know the yeah. engine is coming up to temperature? 
Um, the heat, the engine gauge don't come up high, no. It doesn't come up high? No, no, no. You don't come, you don't give heat. If, if the gauge go up, I get a little bit heat. Right. But the gauge stay cold. The gauge always stay cold. Right, but the gauge is, you have a gauge and it stays mostly to the low side. All the time, yeah. All right, mostly. so so you're not going to get heat out of the car until you get heat built up in the engine. So first oh, thing we do is have to talk about that likely a bad thermostat and i think that's that that's that's pretty simple that's a you know this could be I've a, changed the thermostat already right i'm sure you problem. did okay um you know as long as it was a good quality one so do we have a thermostat issue are the cooling fans running properly do they run all the time yes it run good no yeah. the the cooling fans themselves david this this has electric cooling fans correct Right, and the two cooling fans in front of the engine. Right, are they running all the time, or they do they do they stay off no. until the engine comes up to temperature? No, right, they come off and on. Okay, so then the next question I've got is, I don't want to look at the gauge, I don't want to listen to the heater core, I'd like to get a physical temperature measurement out of this engine before we go any further. Do you have the ability to hook up? This is a ninety-four, so this is old school technology. Do you have the ability to hook up a scan tool of some type and look at engine temperature that way? Uh, you know, how hot is this thing? There's got to be uh, a way, you know, it's, or how about this? How about we just go back to basics? If you let this car sit in idle for eight to ten minutes, on a day like today it's going to be tough, but you let this car run for eight to ten minutes, that upper radiator hose should be warm. should be warm almost to the point of uncomfortable. It, it, the radiator here always get warm. Normally, even if it's cold, but it don't give heat. Right. Right, but the, 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 the upper radiator hose, does it get warm? Is it uncomfortable to touch? Uh, not uncomfortable to touch, but it get warm. Okay. Not hot, hot. All right, so yeah. if, if let me ask you this then. If the radiator hose is warm, if you go to the two heater hoses, all right, the two heater hoses in the yeah. back there, if you touch one, one of those hoses, should be roughly the same temperature as the radiator hose. If we've got circulation, yeah. all right. One yeah. if one if not both. Do we have do we have good temperature going in and out of the heater core? See, there's a couple of things I think is going yeah. on here. One, I don't think the engine's building enough heat. I don't think the engine's getting warm enough. All right. And, right. and and the only way we're going to verify that is to actually measure it. Either we're going to use a scan tool or we're going to use a, 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 a thermal gun or we're going to use an infrared gun. We're going to use something to measure heat. How warm is this engine getting? If we want to assume, if we want to assume that the engine is hot enough, okay, then we've got to talk about the heater core. Go to the two hoses. One's going to be the inlet. One's going to be the outlet. One's going to be real hot. The other one's going to be cooler because the heat's been given off. In, the, in, in exchange in the core. Do you have right. that? If both hoses going into the heater core are cool, all right, then we've got a circulation yeah. problem coming out of the engine. We have to figure that out. Now, one thing nobody really knows about with these 94s, this generation GM car, there's, there's usually a restrictor that is in the heater inlet tube, all right? These wow. these usually flowed water so fast through the core, the factory decided they had to slow it down, and they put a small restrictor inside the tube itself. Okay? If, if the heater hose has ever been replaced and somebody threw that restrictor out, that's a problem. I've seen that. 
and I've also seen where if the restrictor itself gets clogged because the system's got some contamination in it, you won't get flow through the core. You, okay. You, you with me? You get me? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay, and then and then the last thing, have you tried back flushing the heater core? No. Okay. So, you know, you got a couple of things to try here. First and foremost, I want to know how hot is this engine getting. Forget the gauge. Maybe the gauge is broken. Maybe it's inaccurate. We don't care. I want to know how hot the engine's getting. This engine has to produce at least 160 to 170 degrees of temperature by itself in order to produce adequate heat. And I'm being generous here. All right? Most engines really are going to run between 180 and 210. But I want to see 160 to 170 minimum, all right, to get any kind of heat out of this. I'd love to see 180 to 210, like I said. That being said, I want to know what the temp is. I want to know how the heater hoses feel. I want to know do the heater hoses, how they feel in comparison to the upper and lower radiator hose. All right? This is a this is a field this is a field game. All right. We want to, you know, we want to where is it? We've got four corners here. Upper and lower hose and two heater hoses. One, two, three, four. Do they feel equally the same? Where's it hot? Where's it cold? All right. If the two radiator hoses feel good and the inlet to the heater core feels good, but it's cold or cool coming out, I'm willing to bet the heater core is restricted or that restrictor on the inlet to the heater core is clogged and it's not allowing enough flow. All right. And so we've got to take a look at that. And then last but not least, eh, take a look at the radiator. Obviously, do this when the engine's cold. What's the inside of the cooling system look like? How corroded or cruddy is it? Or is it spotlessly clean? Because what you see in the radiator is going to be reflected in what you'll see in the heater core itself. Okay? Last thought. If the heater hoses are hot, if the radiator hoses are hot, if the engine's producing good heat, we can't rule out an electronic issue, a blend door problem, something on that side of the dashboard causing it. But in order to get there, I've got to know what the engine temperature is and work my way out. So you got some homework, David. Do that and give me a call back next week, 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie in the car doctor. I'm coming back right after this. Come to the right place if you have a car problem. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now back to Ron. Let's get on over and talk to Don in Maine, 1999 GMC pickup and some transmission issues. Don, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Great show. Thank you, sir. What's going uh, on? I've got a 99 uh, GMC pickup truck with a 5.3. Uh, it's just hot going from uh, first to second. Sometimes it does it from second to third seems to only do it when it's cold. Okay. Uh, actually, when it's warmed up, it runs good when it's cold. Yeah. How, how long has this been going on? I've had the truck for about five or six years, and it's been doing it ever since. And I drive around town, it's fine. When I take it out on the interstate, I notice it more. Um, any any check engine light? Any dashboard warning lights coming on? Uh, I've had a check engine light come on, uh, disconnect the battery, and it goes away. Well, okay. Uh, do you have the ability to scan it? I mean, can we take a look at that and see what that's re- see what that's possibly coming on for? Yeah, I, t- I know people with scanners. I could do that. Yeah. Well, because here's here's the reason why. Well, let me ask you the question: um, Why does the check engine light come on? Could the check engine? Don't, light... No, no. Could... Um, originally, uh, my uh, 
my cousin told me it was because of the fuel not keeping pressure and told me to get a new gas cap. Okay. And I didn't do it, but it seems to run fine. Here's the way the law is written, Don, all right? And I'm going to let you answer the question. The the, the reason they have check engine lights on cars, because everything on cars are legal, for lack of a better way to put it. Every, Every emission control device on every car ever since Ted Kennedy mandated a PCV valve, so back in the 60s so we could get rid of road draft tubes, um, has come about because of legal legislation. True story, Tony. Tony's looking at me like I'm nuts here across the glass. But, well, that's where that's where emission controls came from. That's another story. But the Clean Air Act states that beginning in model year 1996, vehicles are going to be equipped with a check engine light that will light up any time vehicle emissions exceed one and a half times the legal limit of whatever that vehicle is supposed to put out or not put out. So let me ask you this. If fuel injectors go bad or if fuel pressure changes or if the engine misfires and stumbles, is that going to increase emissions? I suppose it might. Right. So you're going to see a check engine light. Yeah. If a transmission is stuck in first gear longer than it should be, and the engine revs higher than it should be, or if the engine can't drive the transmission because the transmission's got a problem, so the engine works harder and puts out more exhaust, is that going to change emissions? Yeah. So do you think that check engine light could come on for a transmission problem? Yeah, I suppose it could. Yeah, and and, and that's that's a key piece of the puzzle. I would at least like to eliminate it, all right? Okay. I'm not saying it is in your case. But there right. might there might be a P eighteen seventy or a P zero seven forty eight lurking here, which would not be uncommon. These this generation GM has issues with the pressure control solenoid that'll cause an intermittent rough shift. They have issues yep. with the valve body, which can cause a rough shift. But you know, disconnecting the battery and don't misunderstand me, brother. I'm not trying to scold you. Uh, I'm I'm just trying to educate you. Disconnecting okay. the battery is is for you and everybody else that does it is, you know, taking away all the information that I can possibly have or, or just so much of the puzzle. Uh, you know, okay. there's there's just so much information there. And, you know, my bigger concern is on a 99, 99's a, a, a very basic animal com- compared to today's cars, but if somebody rolled a, a, a 2017 into the shop and said, hey, I had a check engine light on, but I disconnected the battery, and now can you tell me what's wrong with it? Oh, my gosh. It, it's, it's like, you know, working on the Wright brothers to the space shuttle, it's its just such a difference in the amount of technology that's present on today's cars for that check engine light when it's on. So the next yeah. time it comes on, let's get it scanned. I don't want an OBD2 scan. I mean, you can, but I'd like to see a manufacturer scan as well. All right. Okay. So, you know, if, if all your friends have is a basic OBD2 scan tool, I'll take it. All right. But if yeah. you, if you can, I'd, I'd I'd like to see somebody go through a manufacturer scan and let's just see what's there. All right. Okay. Um, obviously, I want to talk about trans fluid condition. I'm sure you're going to tell me it's pink and clean. Yeah, it is. Right. Yeah. Um, you know there there are some issues there. Um, but like I said, you know, short of that, why is that light coming on? Pressure control solenoids go bad and valve bodies go bad, and then other than that. There are internal issues in the trans, but I can't, I can't take you there until I know why that light's on. Um, okay, well, I, I can get I, a scan. Yeah, I, I mean, I've also seen cases where engine performance codes, um, mass mass airflow sensors, 
um, for example, on this particular vehicle. You know, I've, I've had cases with dirty mass, and I'm not telling you to go out and clean the mass airflow sensor. I'm just saying, you know, I've seen yeah. dirty mass airflow sensors uh, affect the way the, the, the engine puts out power, which affects how the trans operates, which affects trans line pressure, which <laughs> affects shift point. So, it, it, you know, it all it, it's all working together now. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. All right, okay. so let's get it let's get it scanned and talk maybe next week. How's that sound? Okay, well I'll have it scanned and my uh, I know a guy's got a snap-on scanner. So Perfect. It should work. Perfect. Truck. All right. So, so let me know and we'll go from all right. there. All right. Okay, Ron. Thank you. You're very welcome, Don. Thank you and thanks for uh, thanks for being part of the family. Let's get on over and talk to Ben in Rhode Island, '92 Volvo. Wow, a real car. Here you go. Gee, I haven't had a Volvo question, and I can't tell you how long. And uh, we were just talking about this the other day. Here's the car. How many miles you got on this, Ben? Probably a gazillion. Uh, yeah, over 350. Yeah, it's just broken in, brother. Uh, you know, we were just talking that's about right. this. I was having breakfast at the deli yesterday morning, and one of the guys is telling me how he wants to sell his mother-in-law's car. It's a 90 Volvo 740 with a B230F. I said, it's only got 160,000 miles on it. He wants 500 bucks for it. I said, dude. That thing is just broken yeah. in. You have no idea. Um, you know, it's like holy I'm, schmoly. So I'm it, just waiting until uh, the odometer goes around and then I have, you know, 10,000 miles on it. It's right. a low-mileage vehicle again. Yeah, right. It's a low-mileage vehicle again. But, um, yeah, no, they're, they were <laughs> – I'll tell you what. I got a lot of great Volvo stories, man. My kids grew up in Volvos. They went to high school in Volvos. They're tanks. Um, that's that's the car no back question. then. Not Not anymore. They kind of lost it after 93, no. 94. Volvo sort of lost their way, um, in my opinion. Yeah. So, But anyway, what's your question, babe? What can I do for you? Uh, just, uh, yeah, I mean, what, I mean, we have, uh, I don't want to say abused this car, but uh, probably have lapsed, you know, some pretty serious maintenance items by, you know, about a, about a decade. Um, I know that the timing belt is one of those. Um, and then my other question is going to be, about um about the air intake um a couple of a month or two ago um kind of had low power not very much power i changed the air filter and um put some barrements in the tank and uh that seemed to to probably fix it 95 percent. it feels much better um but just curious you know does it make sense to you know what i probably need to go in and clean everything because it's probably never been cleaned um and uh but in, and also in terms of intake would it make sense to put a you know performance intake on there to try to get a little bit more power and maybe some fuel economy or just start with cleaning things out and see what I'd, that does I'd, I'd start with basics cleaning things out Ben. let me ask you this does it have any oil leaks it, oil leaks no no okay. it's really good with oil it's had you're gonna hate me for this. I, I uh, it had a um, coolant leak, and so I threw some, you know, stop leak stuff in there, and it seemed to work. I haven't had any issues. Uh, every once in a while, I have to put a little bit more in. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, where do you think where do you think the coolant leak was? It, I don't. I have no. I have no idea. Okay. Um, all right. It, yeah. You know, it might have never, it, never it really been. It might have been when you do the timing belt and they take the cover off. They might see it down under around the bottom of the water pump, which which wouldn't be totally okay. uncommon. You know, um, the okay. reason the reason I ask about oil leaks is what was common on these. This has to be. This is a ninety two two forty. This has to be a B two thirty F engine. Also, this is a little four cylinder. Yeah, I think that's right. The, the inline four. Yep. yep. Um, this yep. has a. Um, if I remember that, let me think. Let me think Swedish here for a minute. Was this called the flame arrester? 
by Yump and Yimini. Um, there's a there's a PCV flame arrestor, spark control valve, whatever they wanted to call it, under the intake plenum, um, which was basically a a plastic valve with um, a large diameter pipe and a small vacuum control source off to the side. Those screens always got clogged and dirty, and those ge- those generally got replaced. That went right into the crankcase breather box, which sits right sticking up right out of the side of the block there or on the top of the oil pan, depending upon your perspective. Um, those are common to uh, need maintenance and service. Those are common to have to be cleaned. So I would definitely take a look at that. It's 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 sort of tough to see. It's in that snake's nest of, of hoses underneath the throttle body, underneath the base of the intake plenum. But I would do that. I would also be wary of that if you're getting a lot of oil running down out of the throttle plate, down how was that air filter? Was that air filter dirty? Was it oil-soaked? If it was, you've probably got a dirty spark arrestor or a dirty um, crankcase vent, PCV, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Volvo had a couple of different names for it, but I would make sure that's clean. Um, I would also just be certain, you know, I like the idea of the Berrymans. I like the idea of fuel system cleaning. Maybe do a fuel system cleaning at the rail if you can still get the line open. I think it's a 17 and a 14, and they usually seize together because <laughs> they, they're just on there forever. They just never want to come apart. Uh, make sure the throttle plate is spotlessly clean. Uh, one of the critical things on Volvos, like a lot of cars, but on Volvos it seemed to matter, was make sure it's got a, a real I'm going to say it like this, a real Swedish thermostat. Thermostat's engine heat made a big difference in how these cars ran, and a good thermostat in these cars, a correct thermostat, correct range, really made these cars work really well. Um, they had a they had a propensity. They love to build up carbon top of the pistons, so make sure engine temperature is where it's supposed to be. And like I say, top-end carbon cleaning is always a good idea. Call me back. Ben, call me back when this car gets 450,000 miles on it, and uh, we'll make sure you get a badge from Volvo. I appreciate the call. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back. Don't go away. Need to get your Car Doctor fixed, but you just can't listen right now? Well, go to cardoctorshow.com for all of our podcast opportunities. And now, back to Ron. Let's get over and talk to Chris in Long Island, 2004 Jeep Cherokee. Chris, you're on with the Car Doctor. How can I help? Uh, hey, Ron. Yes, sir. Uh, so great to talk to you. Thank uh, you, sir. Long-time listener. Thank you. I can remember being probably 10 or 12 years old, driving around in my dad's 88 Bronco, listening to you on uh, one of the FM, the AM stations out here, because I'm right out of New York City. Uh-huh. Uh, w- what a great memory. He's not around anymore, and I, I just I remember that so distinctly, listening to the car doctor. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, Chris, you made my week. Uh, yeah. Thank you, brother. Uh, what, can no, I do for, what can I do I'm for 30, you? I'm 35. I'm 36 now. Still remember that. So I got a uh, 2004 Jeep Grand Cherokee, 160,000 miles, just right. broken in. Yep. Had it since uh, about 30,000. Was actually my dad's. Went to my brother. Now went to me. Uh, lots of parts over the years. Never had a check engine light though. So ironically enough, of course today I'm going to get a state inspection. So New York State emissions inspection. Right. And it. And it flips a check engine light. Now, this is the first day that it's been super cold. Um, We were 26 degrees this morning. So I pulled the code. It's a P0155. Says something about an O2 sensor. But then I checked some forums, and they're talking about wiring versus an O2 heating element. And I'm just not sure way to go. Okay. This is a, this is a 2004 Grand Cherokee, Chris? Yeah. Four liter. Four the liter. Line. Okay. P0155 is O2 sensor related. It's bank two sensor one. It's telling you there's a heater issue. 
And, you know, there's a lot of things it can be. I would tell you, be careful and be wary. Just make sure the fuse that powers the circuit is didn't pop, and I don't think it did because you're not saying anything else isn't working. Usually I see more than one fault code when I get a, a blown fuse in a 155. It's usually a 135 and a 155 together. Um, there are okay. some issues with resistance value across the O2. And I'll tell you what, sit tight a minute, Chris. Let me pull over and take this pause. I don't want to rush the answer. Stay right where you are and let me come back. I'm Ron Anning in the car, Doctor. We'll be back right after this. You've come to the right place if you have a car problem. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now back to Ron. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. I want to remind everybody, this hour, we're giving away a Diablo Sport Predator 2 from the folks over at Diablo Sport. Find more information at DiabloSport.com. So you want to stick around for that. Let's get on back to Chris from Long Island, 2004 Jeep Cherokee P0155. Chris, you're still there. I'm here, Ron. So listen, P0155 is is usually an indication. We get past wiring and open circuits and fuses and things like that. We're usually dealing with a bad oxygen sensor. This is going to be Bank 2 Sensor 1. It's the upstream O2, all right? And one of the easiest ways to identify what sensor is what, this, this if I remember right, is a four-sensor system. Okay, it's either a three- or a four-system system. Yeah, it's a four-sensor. It's a four-sensor system, okay? The bottom two that you can't see, and you, they're really in a horrible, ugly place, and the top two, they're well, they're not much better to get to either. But one of the ways to identify which sensor is which, simplest thing, if you can't get information or you can't get a clear cut uh, where it is, get an OBD2 scan tool out, all right? Disconnect one sensor, start it up. Which one doesn't have reading? It'll tell you. Bank one, it'll be B1, S2, B1, S1, so forth. You can identify which sensor is which by looking to see which one's not reporting any information. A little tedious to do. It's going to be, you're going to start setting codes, so understand what you're doing, but it is a quick and simple way. Probably what's going on here is the heating element itself has gone bad. The heating element on this sensor has to have a resistance value of 4 to 5 ohms. And here's where it gets tricky. You can put in a cheaper quality aftermarket sensor, and 6 ohms will cause this light to come on. 3 ohms will cause this light to come on. When they say 4 to 5 ohms, they want 4 to 5 ohms. So, you know, make sure if you're going to... Yeah, I'll use a Mopar part. Yeah, use a Mopar part, and chances are, if this comes down to being a sensor, you're going to see this light go away, and that'll solve it for you, because generally this usually is an O2 sensor fault. Hey, Chris, stay on the line. You're today's winner for the Diablo Sport Predator 2 that's coming your way, and uh, we want to thank you for being a long-term member of the Car Doctor family. You'll be able to tune that Jeep right from the driver's seat and do all kinds of neat things, and obviously look at data stream as well as some other fun things and uh, you know what? You know what? In honor of your dad and a long-term listener, we're glad to give it out to you, and uh, we want to thank you for uh, sticking around all this time, and uh, you have some fun with that, and, uh, you know, a good holiday season, brother. Stay on the line. Let Tom get your information. I'm Ron and Aiming the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. They're priceless. 